Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Hi, I'm your host, Jack McLean, and today my guest is Danny Kennedy, the founder of DJK Fitness. Danny is a qualified personal trainer and strength coach based out of Melbourne, Australia. Throughout his years in the health and fitness industry, he's worked with clients in person and online, ranging from Olympic athletes, celebrities, fitness models, and social media identities, and all people looking to achieve their fitness and health goals. Highlights from this episode, we discuss Danny's best tips for networking in your industry, why providing consistent free content for your audience is vital for an online coach, how Danny developed a strong social following, and why you must have systems to set up a successful business. Before we start this episode, for those coaches wanting to learn how to create an online coaching successful business and make an impact in elite sport, then our Coaches Academy is for you. You get access to our step-by-step roadmap to launching your own online coaching business, extensive training library, and exclusive discounts and tools. You'll also become part of our active and supportive community filled with strength conditioning coaches from all over the world who can help you along your coaching journey with practical feedback, support, and advice. All of this and more make our academy the number one place for a successful strength conditioning coach wanting to start, manage, and grow a coaching business. To join, head to preparelikeaproacademy.com.au. Let's get into today's episode with Danny Kennedy. Welcome, Danny. Thanks for jumping on, mate. Thanks for having me on, Legend. I'm, I'm pumped for it. So thanks. Thanks again. How's it feel being in the in the guest seat? It's good. I podcast. actually enjoy it. <laughs> I enjoy it sometimes. I, I definitely with my own show. I've tried to make it as casual as possible now, so it doesn't doesn't really feel too much like a Q and A or an interview too often. But yeah, it's good. It's good just to rock up and chat. I, whenever I do guest ones, I always get asked whether or not the, the host wants like if I want the host to send me the questions. I'm yeah. Like, nah, nah. Just, just, just let me rock up and let's just have a chat. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I love that, mate. Yeah, we are, I'm looking forward to it too. Well, let, let's dive in the beginning of your career. At what age did you discover you had a passion for strength and conditioning, personal training? Yeah, so from like a very early age, I always played sport. Mum and dad were, were awesome in that regard. Like they let me try my hand at pretty much every different sport I wanted to and pretty quickly fell in love with basketball and football. Throughout my kind of teenage years, basketball was always the priority for me. Like my, my whole intention, I really didn't expect to do anything else in life other than to play basketball. So yeah, put all my time and effort into playing basketball, loved footy as well, was probably more naturally gift. I don't know if the word gift is a good word, good way to put it, but like I probably naturally was better at football, but for whatever reason, I just was really passionate about basketball. So at the age of about 15, I had a basketball coach who, who pretty much just said, look, you, you've got to get in the gym and put on some weight and get stronger because you just not strong enough and I was extremely skinny, still feel like I am, but particularly up until the end of school, you know, extremely skinny. Like I would, my whole kind of philosophy and it kind of still is, but in my juniors anyway, I was always just trying to work harder than anyone else. Like I just thought, particularly with basketball and stuff, if I, if I wasn't quite at the skill level of other people, then I would always put in the work and work harder than everyone else out there. And that was how I was going to kind of achieve my goals. So with that kind of came pretty much been underweight. So I got in the gym at about 15, like I said. Initially, I just hated it because I just come, my whole background with fitness up until that point was running. Like I was just a madman with running. Mm-hmm. 
again, like probably naturally more of a cardio type body type, I guess, like definitely an ectomorph and, and found running pretty comfortable and I enjoyed it. So with footy and stuff as well, I would always just do just a lot of running. So when I got in the gym, it was kind of like, and I see it now when I start to work with clients who come from a cardio background. It's that yeah. initial kind of hesitation as to like, am I really working hard enough if I'm not like my heart rate's not through the roof the whole time and I'm not sweating and all this type of crap. So I hated it for a bit and then just fell in love with it. Like I started to see results like so many people do and all of a sudden I was hooked. So that was about 15 or 16 and I, I literally just fell in love with it. Like something, something about my personality type is whenever I enjoy something, I kind of just go all in with it. I probably mm-hmm. obsess over it and, and, definitely is probably part of the reason why i've been able to grow my business and stuff but sometimes it can be a downfall as well but yeah so i just started doing all my own research on basically any platform i could whether it was you know the old bodybuilding.com whether it was trying to find different sources of information that were kind of reliable it was literally just anything just trying to learn as much as i could and like a lot of people do i was trying anything and everything getting the wrong information made all the mistakes you could possibly make so by the time i finished school i was the exact same height as i am now so I'm 182 centimeters and I was about 63 kilos. So I was overtraining, excessively training and under eating like badly. So I was just definitely underweight, even though in my mind, I thought I was doing all the right things. I was going to the gym. I was you know, having the protein shakes and doing all that crap, but I just didn't have the right information yet. So anyway, I'd, I'd made the decision that I was going to play footy. And then that kind of flipped within about a week. And a week later, I was living in Melbourne for basketball. So from there, I just continued to kind of follow on that same path. I was just obsessed just trying to learn as much as I could, whether it was seminars, whether it was videos on YouTube, articles online, trying to subscribe to research papers and all that stuff. And it, and it was probably when I was about 19 that I started to find some actually reliable information from some reputable people in the industry, evidence-based and scientific-backed like nutrition and training methods. So yeah, it was probably about the age of 18, 19 when I started to properly see results and wrap my head around nutrition wrap my head around what I should be doing with training to see the results that I wanted to see for the past kind of four or five years. I just wasn't kind of following the right approach. And yeah, I mean, to this day, still just absolutely love it. Very passionate about it, but that's kind of where it all started. That was an extremely long answer to a very simple question, but that's good yeah. to have context. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of how it all started anyway. Yeah. Awesome, mate. And then from that side of things, when did you start putting on the coach's hat, the, the personal training hat? How did that begin? So in year 12, actually, I think might have come to me one day because she knew how uh, passionate I was about fitness. And at the time, there was some, I don't remember what, uh, might have been the Australian Institute of Fitness or something like that. We're running this program where you could kind of get like some form of incentive, not incentive, but it was like a cheaper price to do your personal trainer course by correspondence if you were in year 12 and studying. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do it. I kind of just did it spread out over 12 months and did all my hours and stuff and had no real intention of using it because in my mind, I was going to be playing basketball. So it didn't really matter anyway, but I thought it's handy to have. So I'll just kind of get it done and get the qualification. And then, as I said, I moved to Melbourne for two years for basketball after school. And mm-hmm. same thing, like when I look back on it now, in, in hindsight, I was always, I was always way more passionate about the gym and strength training and, and fitness than I was actual the sport. Like I obviously loved basketball and footy, but my real passion was in the fitness side. So I wrapped up basketball at the end of 2013, had an ankle reconstruction. And at the time when it happened, I was just de- devastated, like borderline depressed. Just to me, like going from training and playing basketball, just living and breathing it to not doing it at all 
was mm. super depressing. But in that time period, I, I eventually did some physique competitions over the next kind of three or four years. And, and early days into my rehab after the Rico, I was like, right, I can't train basketball. I can't play. I don't have a job. I've been doing basketball for two years. And I was already doing a few gym floor shifts, I think, at the time, just working as a gym instructor, pretty much just cruising around talking to people. So I was like, all right, I'll get a position as a PT and, and just see how it goes. And similar to when I first got into fitness, it didn't take long for me to pretty much just forget about basketball and be like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And shifted my focus from really focusing on myself all the time and trying to improve athletically and, and within my sport to then seeing like, knowing how much of a difference strength training and, and being in the gym made for, for me in terms of my confidence and obviously my physique, everything that I, all the benefits I saw on myself was like, oh, I really want to show other people that they can do this too and, and help people achieve that goal. So that was 2014 was my first kind of year starting out as a PT and eventually went on to do some other strength and conditioning qualifications and stuff like that as well. But yeah, like I said, I pretty much just brought the same approach to, to the business side of things and, and, and being a personal trainer and strength mm. coach as to what I did to my passion for actual fitness initially and just fell in love with it. And you mentioned your parents and the influence they had uh, mm. on your passion for fitness and, and your work rate and, and yeah, chasing your dreams. Were there mentors or people in the industry at this point in your career as you're sort of forging your way that helped you or did you sort of work it all out in yourself? You mentioned YouTube and obviously doing your own research, but were there any sort of strong influences? I think from a face-to-face, like con- from like a face-to-face contact perspective, my first, the first guy who kind of let me like be a subcontractor as a personal trainer in his business was Tory Truett. Mm-hmm. Uh, based, he was based out of MSAC at the time. And he kind of just saw how passionate I was and I really liked the way he went about things. And, you know, like I said, although I was doing so much of my own research and study, probably more than, than anyone else that was already established trainers were doing, like definitely more. He definitely did, especially from a, a business perspective in terms of how to actually run the business side of things. How He taught me how important networking was and building relationships with clients and communication and all the stuff that you probably don't really think about until you start. Like it's, I think, I don't know. If I can't speak for everyone, but I definitely found like I was so hung up on all the theory side of stuff in terms of like the training and the nutrition and recovery and all that stuff that didn't ever really even cross my mind as to like, oh, I also need to be able to communicate and run a business and, and learn how to network and build relationships and stuff. So he was a big, he had a big impact. And then I just continued to learn from, from other guys in the industry. I, I spent a couple of years actually not not working with him but just kind of training with christian woodford for a bit so i got a lot of i got a value from christian he was really good but other than that it was just just kind of sources of information online so guys like lane norton eric helms who else was there there was there was a lot of kind of guys online that i alan aragon was another really big one yeah there was there was a handful of people online that i kind of once i realized that a lot of their stuff was evidence-based and and really read into it and saw the benefits of following it i really dived into that side of things and and went from just kind of reading articles and watching videos and stuff to really searching for things that had evidence to back it up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that were, they were kind of the main ones other than that in person, apart from Tori, like I said, there probably wasn't really anyone like it was kind of just learn on the fly. And I mean, again, like even, even now, similar to my approach to PT when I started from a business perspective now, like I, I also enjoy talking to new personal trainers or people who are aspiring to be a PT kind of run over all the stuff ups I made with the business side as well and all the stuff ups I made with time management and trying to niche down with clients and stuff like that. Just all the mistakes that at the time sucked, but in hindsight, it's been fantastic in terms of just building like a wealth of knowledge from making all the mistakes. So yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Tori sort of planted to see the value of, of networking. Uh, young developing coaches and trainers that are listening in, what did that look like? What were some actionable traits that you were starting to take on with, you know, in terms of developing your, your, your relationships and, and developing networks in the industry? I think you know, things like going to seminars or conferences and whatnot with like-minded people was, was a, a, almost a no-brainer because I'm like, all right, if I can go to this conference for two or three days and I know that 50 to 100 of the the attendees there are also probably high level coaches or aspiring coaches i'm you know i I get to mingle with all these people that i'm going to definitely learn something from if not continue to maintain some form of relationship with with over the years Mm -hmm. but then even with clientele like i was very fortunate and still am that a lot of the clientele i trained from day one because of the area i was training people out of were a lot of corporate people you know people that had pretty pretty significant jobs and and had a really big network themselves so not I wouldn't necessarily say intentionally, but like I just tried to build good relationships with those people. And then, you know, that, that leads to an introduction to someone else or, you know, you just try and maintain these relationships over time. And then for me as well, like something that I learned early, early on, I think it was probably from so many failures, I guess, in my sporting background up until that point and the, my kind of working hard, like attitude, that was something that helped me initially as well, because I was just not afraid to... Uh, I'm not afraid of rejection, failure, or someone saying no. So mm-hmm. a lot of opportunities I look back at now, things that have really helped build my career and, and helped me learn a lot and build even networks and relationships that I never would have expected, purely came down to the fact that I was just willing to jump on Instagram and send someone a DM and, and ask them a bit of advice or ask them to come on the podcast or if they were in Melbourne, reach out and just say, do you want to grab a coffee? Or if someone reached out to me or if I met someone and they were like, we should stay in touch or whatever there'd be plenty of times where you know in the back of my head i'm thinking this is probably not really going to lead to anything or i'm not too sure what i'm doing this one for and then all of a sudden that turns out to be something that leads to the next thing and and you know that's the origin of x y and z type of thing if that makes sense so absolutely it was just yeah just not fearing having no fear of, of failure or rejection was probably the biggest one and i started to see that a lot in terms of other people that were so mm-hmm. and, and again when i think about some of the biggest opportunities and best opportunities i've had in the industry and even outside of fitness it, it purely has come down to just taking i guess you could call it risks but reaching out to people or yeah just just things that like just doing all the little things and and spending time with people or again i know i've said it a few times but reaching out to people and asking particularly to to offer them value without asking for anything in return, which is, you know, if anyone who tunes into guys like Gary Vee and stuff, they say that a lot now, but mm. I kind of picked up on that super early and whether or not I, I'd heard it from someone like Gary or someone else, I, I can't even remember, but it really was like, if there was an athlete or if there was a, you know, even someone like a celebrity or a business person that I thought I could learn from, or I wanted to try and get in that network, it'd just be purely reaching out, just plain and simple, reach out, offer as much value as possible, have some actual interest in trying to help them achieve whatever their goal is and not going like, you know, can you tag me in your story or can we, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's just like, I just want to help and that's it. And down the, down the track, that's what's led to so many cool things. And that's what led to, to being introduced to other people or these type of people, whether it's again, whether it's an athlete or, you know, a celebrity or just general population, whoever, when people see that you're so, so willing to offer value and never asking for anything in return, more often than not, they're going to go out of their way to do something good for you. So that was kind of, and still is my, my approach. Obviously, you, you can't just work for free all the time, but certain opportunities, I was like, yeah, like I'm happy to do this for free. I'm happy to not ask for anything in return. 
because I know mm-hmm. that what it could lead to down the track. So that side of the networking was has been massive for me as well. Yeah, I love that. The give first mentality. It's definitely pays yeah. dividends. I um, actually had a client. Sorry, to cut you off. I had a client. Yeah. It's actually funny. So this is full circle. So uh, there's this guy. I don't know if you've heard of Tim Reed. He's got a podcast called Small Business Big Marketing. It's no. a really, really good yeah. podcast. For anyone who has a business, I'd highly recommend tuning in. And Tim's yeah. a great guy. But I'd, I'd listen to his podcast and I'd actually send him an email and reached out and basically did what I just said. I said, look, mate, I don't know. I'm not sure what state you live in, but if you're in Melbourne, I'd love to. I'd heard on one of his podcasts he wanted to get in shape. So I was like, I'd love to help you out with your training. Don't want anything in return, blah, blah, blah. And in my mind, I was like, all right, I would love to spend some time with him so he could help basically tear my podcast to shreds and tell me what I should be doing better to help grow it. Yeah. And he replied like six months later, I think. (laughs) He was something ridiculous, like six months later. And then a month after. That was on email or direct message? Email. So I'm like, you either haven't checked emails for six months or randomly you've just decided to write back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that led to me training him. He tore my podcast to shreds. Since then, he's invited me to come and talk at some of his masterminds and we stay in touch. And that was like, that was epic. So I don't even know what the point of that story was. But yeah, but that was kind of like the ask first. An example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An example of how that kind of all works. So like, you know, the fact that eventually I'm talking at one of his events is just outrageous to me. But it doesn't happen if I don't just reach out one day and kind of not really give a crap about whether or not he does or doesn't write back or says no or whatever. And there's been way more that haven't written back or that have said no, that haven't worked out, but you just never know when it, when it will. And with something like that, for, for the business owners that are listening in, is that spontaneous? Do you just have a gut feeling? You listen to that podcast there and then you hear, you know, he, he drops something like, you know, that he's interested in working his fitness and you just strike straight away or is there something that you note down? And you have a certain amount of, do you have like monthly goals of how many people you're going to reach out for? Like, is it, how structured is it? How much is it just going to flow? There's no structure to it. It's just go with the flow. I think, you know, people like you and I are probably constantly kind of thinking of things we can be doing to whether it's to improve our craft or our business or the podcast, whatever it is. So it's just kind of like jumping at any opportunities that present themselves. You know, I've got one of my good mates, Mitch Orville, like where, where him and I are great, great friends. And he, someone literally tagged me in one of his posts probably in 2016 or something that he was trying to get help with nutrition. Same thing. I reached out on Instagram and said, look, look dude, I'll, I'll help you with the nutrition, any training stuff you need. Yell out. I don't want anything in return. If you see good results, then awesome. We'll keep working together. If not, sweet. And then, you know, that leads to all this other stuff. And now we're, we're great, great friends. But that was literally just like, I got tagged in it. I'm like, ah, this might as well just reach out and see what happens and, and go from there. And then, I mean, I feel like I'm talking flat out, but, this Tim Reed that I talked about just then, I listened to one of his episodes with this guy and I just thought this guy was super insightful. I loved the episode. His business was incredible. It's something I'd never heard about before. And I said to yeah. Tim, hey, mate, would you mind just doing it? Because he, he's based over in LA and I used to spend a heap of time in LA each year throughout this shitty time of the year when, it, when it's winter. And I just said to him, hey, mate, can you shoot an email to the guy's name is Steve? I'm going to be in LA for like a month or two. If there's any opportunity, I'd love to meet up with him. And, you know, like a month later, I'm in LA having breakfast with this guy and just picking this guy's brain for an hour and, and getting to, to know this guy. He then invites me to an event and I'm at this event with guys like Lewis Howes and Tom Bellew and Ed Milet and all this type of stuff. Like, this is, I think about this all the time. Like, none of that shit happens if I don't just go to Tim, which I didn't even have a good relationship with at the time because I'd only just met him. I just asked yeah. him something, which, you know, if he said no, he said no, but he said yes. And then all of a sudden it leads to, is really cool stuff. So, yeah, there's no structure to it, and still, even now, there's no real structure to it. It's just just see the opportunity and then just jump on it. But 
actually taking action on it and not just sitting yep. there procrastinating on it or going, should I message them? Should I not? Should I reach out to this person? Should I not? It's just like, just, just take action straight away and just do it. Mm-hmm. And if it works out, it does. If it doesn't, because I say this all the time, if I, if you say, for example, you wanted to do this interview and for whatever reason, not that this would be the case, but for whatever reason, if you said to yourself, oh, he'll probably say no, or he's probably too busy, or he doesn't want to do this. So I'm not going to do it because you're, or you're fearing me saying no, or you're fearing me kind of just kind of pushing it back and not doing it. Mm. It's, it's, if you don't, if you don't ask, that's already a reality. Yeah. It's the same result. So if yeah. I, if you don't ask me to come on and I don't come on, it's the same as you asking me and me saying no. So it's like, it's your worst fear is, has already happened. If you don't ask. Yeah. You may as well have so a that's shot. That's my whole approach. Yeah. It's like the yeah. worst thing that can happen is that you're going to be the same as what it is right, no, right now type of thing. The best thing that could happen is you never know. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Great. Uh, great advice. A great gem to, to dive straight into for, for all the trainers and, and coaches listening in to, to note that one down. What, what about from, you, you mentioned as going back to your career journey for a second. So you're building your business as a personal trainer. I imagine that was doing one-on-ones and, and group training. At what point did you start to think, okay, I'm going to open open my scope and, and go online? It was pretty early, to be honest, probably 2015, middle of 2015. So like I said at the start, that was the the years of around kind of 2013 in particular was when I physically started to see really good results myself and mm-hmm. clearly having been super underweight and, and whatnot. When people started to see those results, you know, even getting – people from back home like i grew up in country victoria so you kind of know most people from home and i'd be getting messages from people saying like oh just asking what i've been doing or asking for help just from mates with a training program or help them write a nutrition plan and stuff like that and i was kind of doing it thinking like yeah sure that's pretty weird that you're even asking me to be honest but no worries and i was doing it and i was like oh hang on i've had like fair few people ask so i'm like i just might start charging like 20 bucks or i think it was like 15 or 20 dollars like a nutrition plan and a, and a training program at the time because i'm like uh, i like doing this stuff anyway and, and again it's kind of just allows me to help more people than just being you know restricted to how much time i can spend with someone one-on-one mm. so i started at that and then over the years just evolved like and that particularly the online side of things has just been the biggest trial and error like uh, i've gone through so many different phases of the online business to keep not only scaling it but also just learning on the fly like there's been so many changes to how it's structured just constantly taking bits and pieces from what i see from other people that are doing it well in the industry again learning from mistakes and that's how it kind of all started so it's probably 2015 2016 i'd say and that was like i said just kind of doing super cheap training programs for friends and family and and then eventually kind of yeah, eventually getting a website built and then kind of thinking to myself, right, I'm going to add this kind of pillar to my business. Yeah. And so that's, you've been in it for about six or seven years. No, knowing what, what you now know, what would you do differently? What, what was some, yeah, what was some big mistakes or, or big, big rocks that you wish you focused on a bit earlier? Yeah. What would you do differently if you were starting now? Yeah, it's hard to say. It's, it actually is hard to say. I was thinking about this not too long ago. I mean, you know, the cliche answer is like, you wouldn't change a thing because you've learned so much and, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and that is, that's, that, that's it's true. Probably, it's true probably, to an extent. It's probably a better question, actually, like, because you, you, like you said, you learn from your mistakes. So you've got to have that mentality. So what if, if it was, yeah, so either you're starting another think, business, a new business, or you're consulting? A, I think for me, coach. I think, if, yeah, I think, like I said, over the years, I just keep adding bits and pieces to get it to where it is now. Obviously, yeah. when you know what you do now, it's, it's easy to say what you would have done differently. But I think some of the biggest things, and, to second that as well, like I started my 
fitness like Instagram page at the end of 2013. And I can say for sure, like that's been one of the biggest drivers of growth in my business, particularly online, in, like the social media side and very similar to how I approach everything else. It's always been just consistency. Like obviously there's been days where I haven't posted stuff, but I would say like no word of a lie, probably 95 to at least 95% of the time since I ever started my fitness page, I've posted some form of educational or not maybe educational, but valuable content on my social media, which is obviously free every single day since I started it. So mm-hmm. I would 100% and it's, it's obviously very saturated across all social media platforms now. So it's probably a little bit harder. And by the, when I started, it already was saturated. Like I'd, I'd missed the social media boat to an extent already. So for now it's super difficult, but I would definitely be posting an absolute shitload. I don't know if you can swear on this, but an absolute shitload yeah, of yeah. content for free across, you know, your chosen platforms. So whether it is podcast, Instagram, you know, TikTok now, whatever it is, but just posting as much free content as you can, because I think a lot of people are kind of under the impression of like, Oh, I've spent all this time and money learning this stuff. So someone should pay me for it. Mm. My whole approach is like, again, similar to what we said before, give value without anything expectation return and it'll come back. But also people, in my opinion, don't, and I've, you know, I've taken this quote from someone else, but, People don't pay for information, they pay for implementation. So my whole approach was like, all right, if I I just want to give out that much free stuff that when someone finally decides they want to get in shape, there's no other way that they'd think of anyone else other than me because I've just continued to give them free stuff over time. So that the next thing, and I wish I had pushed harder on this earlier, is building an email list. Because again, if social media goes to shit or whatever, like you always be able to get in contact with your audience. And again, being super consistent with that. I think I would put a lot more emphasis on systems from the start because um, mm-hmm. mine, mine has been really up until probably the last couple of years, very much based off just trading time for money to an extent. Like, and, and I like that part of it to a degree because especially with my coaching, like I want to make sure that it's completely customized, that it's not just a cookie cutter plan that, it, that they're getting or whatever. But at the same time, the, the systems just help things run a lot smoother and also help generate a bit more growth. Mm-hmm. So whether that's systems with, automating, you know, having recurring payments with clients, whether it's having some form of very basic funnel with your email list from your website or whatever, whatever that may be. But just trying to look at ways that you can really make things a lot smoother earlier on would definitely be that. And then two more things would be pick a niche, like right from the start. Yeah. Like you said, you kind of spend that, a lot of people still do. And I think you probably have to, to, to a certain degree, spend a bit of time figuring out what your actual niche is and who you do like training in terms of like the face-to-face stuff. But just once you get to the point where you're like, right, I absolutely love whatever, you know, strength training for footballers in the off season or strength Mm -hmm. training for footballers in season or whatever, training females to grow their glutes, whatever it is. Once you figure out what it is that you really enjoy, just like just double down on that because it's very easy to get caught up, especially when you start and you're trying to just make money, you're trying to get busy, basically taking any opportunity you can. You, it's, you start to become, or you think you are, the jack of all trades, but you're just not. Like, If you can position yourself as an authority like in a certain lane, then you are going to yeah. grow so much faster because when someone wants that, you're so much more likely to be the person that they think of or to come up in a search on Google or whatever it is because that's everything that you're doing is pushing in that direction. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that'd be that. And... I mean, there's so many things, but even things like pricing and stuff as well, you know, like value, like really figuring out what, like valuing your time or valuing your product and not kind of just trying to go for what you think people are going to be able to, it sounds silly, but like 
with my online programs and stuff. I look back now at some of my one-on-one coaching I was doing and obviously you evolve so you can start to increase your rates over time. But some of the stuff I was doing for the most outrageously cheap, stupidly cheap prices, which was still mm. trading my time for money. So, you know, I'd be charging X for PT and, but then I'm charging like this amount for the online service when I'm giving the same amount of value. So kind of learning, like understanding what your value is and understanding how much value you can offer the client and not sell yourself short just so you can try and make some money or just so you're cheaper than the next personal trainer or the next online coach, like stick true to that. And, and that'll quickly kind of weed out the clients you don't want anyway. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing, man. I appreciate it. That there's a fair bit to dive into there. You've dropped some good bombs. What about the business side of things? Um, clearly you're driven and, and you do a lot of research and you implement and, and, and you action these things and, and learn as you go. But did you, like with Troy, did you have someone there as like a life coach, business coach side of things or was this all more self-developed? Definitely more self-developed, to be honest. I wish I, I probably do wish I had have done that sooner. Mm-hmm. Last year, you know, last year I started working with a business coach. His name is David Taubman. He's, mm-hmm. uh, he's incredible, particularly for... You know, he, he's really passionate about working with smaller business owners that are looking to really expand their business. And I think the, the beauty of that, and, you know, I come to this realization quite late, obviously, because I started working with him last year, but it's like anything. Like Roger Federer has a coach. Michael Jordan had a coach. You want to get in shape, you hire a PT. You want to mm. learn to swim, you hire someone to teach you how to swim. It's like, it's almost when you put it in perspective, it's an absolute no-brainer that you should invest, especially if you're a business owner that wants to grow your business. You should be investing some form of money or time even into being taught how to to build a business by someone who's either done it before or has the skills that you probably don't. And then mm-hmm. second to that, just a, a bit of a different perspective on things because it's very easy and it, it can be, it can absolutely do your head in when you can only see things from your perspective inside your business or, or outside your business. Whereas someone can come in, even if they have nothing to do with health and fitness and they look at how you're running your business and they're just like, you know, we need to change this, this and this. And it's probably something that you've never thought of or would never even consider putting any thought to because it's just something that you either haven't learned or because you're so focused on where you think things should be or what you think should be happening, you just don't put any thought to it. So, yeah, so up until last year, and I I wish I had started working with someone a bit sooner. I I did a bunch of courses and stuff around the business side. And obviously with the the podcasting, I really dived into myself listening, like consuming a lot of content from business people. Like, you know, I read... When I read Grant Cardone's book, The Ten, I read that in maybe 2017, and that, like, I'm pretty certain that like just changed everything for me in terms of my business and my approach to a lot of different stuff. So, without having a face-to-face mentor or someone that I was hiring to coach me, I feel like I've learned and continue to do, continue to sorry, learn a lot of a lot of stuff, a, a lot of value from just listening to stuff like this, like podcasts and and just taking bits and pieces from people and then actually trying it out because. It's pretty pretty easy to get caught up in a cycle of just consuming content and doing nothing with it. So even when I read and stuff now, I try not to just finish one book and go to the next, or not watch one podcast and then just start the next one straight away. It's like, all right, what what if you're listening to someone who runs a successful business and they give all these kind of gems throughout the podcast? Like actually try implementing them for a bit first and see, and then do a bit of trial and error yourself. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So I didn't 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 hire anyone early days. I, I had. Started to last year, and yeah, it makes a big difference. This episode is powered by Swift High Performance Supplements. Swift is a supplement brand created by Australian sports scientists for athletes that demand the very best for their training and recovery. 
Recommended by dietitians, sports doctors, and high-performance coaches, Swift has established an industry-leading reputation for creating supplements with integrity and without compromise. Swift is proud to support Prepare Like a Pro and is giving listeners an exclusive 15% discount online using the code PREPLIKEAPRO. Coaches and gym owners who listen to this podcast can also get access to the Swift exclusive partnership program by emailing Swift directly. What made you take on a mentor? Was that someone, is it, you know, is it something that you, someone advised you to do? Was it sort of something you, you were thinking about doing for a while in your mindset, I guess, when you were on, on starting with work with Dave? Yeah. So again, like just having a, a, a pretty wide network of different people, whether it's, you know, again, athletes, business people, whatever, a lot of the catch-ups I would do with people like this one in particular, I caught up with a friend of mine who owns like a pretty big e-commerce company and he was working with Dave. And we, every time we would catch up for coffee, me and this guy, we would just pretty much talk about business the whole time, just kind of trade stuff like stories or, or you know, bits and pieces about what we were kind of both doing within the business at the time, what we're struggling with, the sticking points, what was working well. And he mentioned a couple of times, like, look, mate, just have a chat to this guy. Since I started working with him, the business has gone through the roof or like I'm now really having like different different view of certain things that I just never put any thought to before and it's made a big difference. So I was like, yeah, sure, let's let's do it. So yeah, yeah. reached out, had a bit of a chat with him and and then off we go. And is that something that you do once a month? Is it yeah, what's the frequency like and what's how does it sort of work for someone that hasn't worked with a mentor before? Yeah, I'm sure like I'm sure a lot of business coaches structure it quite differently. So with Dave, he was really good. We're at the moment we're we're on a bit of a break at the moment and I'll be I'll be starting back up with him soon. But we spent all of last year in particular, while we had more time over the last year or so with the lockdowns and stuff, like we would catch up probably we'd catch up once every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And we'd spend probably two to three hours together and just completely just dive into everything. And he would pick it all apart and he was he's awesome. Like he sends me back a bit of a debrief of what we just spoke about kind of takes a bunch of notes while we're, while we're chatting and basically just lays it all out for me exactly like how things are at the moment, the things we're working on. Then he would usually give me a bunch of tasks to go back and, and put some time into over the coming weeks. So then by the time I go back, we kind of have some updates on on where things are at. So it was really good and it kept me accountable. It's just like working with the trainer. Like that was probably the biggest thing for me. It was like, all right, I've got two weeks until I catch up with Dave again. I can, you know, I, I can still work hard and do all the stuff that I've been doing. But it, there's a reason why I'm having these like blockages or there's a reason why I'm not able to pass this next kind of point in the business. And obviously, mm. he's giving me t- tasks and stuff to do that are going to get me there. And a lot of the stuff that we did, which sounds pretty silly, but it was really uncomfortable stuff for me because obviously, it was the things that I hadn't done before or I either purposely just ignored or things that I didn't think were necessary. And now all of a sudden, he was really pushing me and He's great. Like he'll just call, he'll just randomly call, call me up and, and just end up talking for like half an hour about something, about something to do with the business and, and just being there as well. You know, if I was looking at doing a deal for the podcast or if I was looking to negotiate a contract or whatever it was, it'd be, he'd just be like, just give me a buzz and send it through and we'll have a chat about it and then go from there. So it's just good to have that accountability and, and someone, someone there to bounce ideas off. And again, just to keep me accountable as well on, yep. the, on the days or weeks where I really just couldn't be couldn't be staffed or if I had other stuff going on, it was just a matter of like, all right, this is a priority, get it done. Otherwise, next time we catch up, it's like, I'm going to be asking you about it. And if you haven't done it, then in the end of the day, it's my loss. I'm, I'm paying this guy to help me. And if I'm not doing the work, then I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm losing 
I'm I can't even know what I'm trying to say, but it's my my fault if I'm if I'm not doing the work. Yeah, hundred percent. And you, and you mentioned the importance of consistency. How you're posting pretty much since 2013, I believe, daily and providing value for for someone that's starting out and feels a bit unsure on on what value to provide. But well, early on, when you know, I'm sure it's quite easy for you to do now. But early on, what were some ways that you could I guess get creative and work out what content you needed to post that, that was going to be valuable for your for your audience. Mm. In my opinion, I think it's like you know, there's a bit of a fine line between quality and quantity with content. I think I think sometimes it's it is super important to have really good quality content, but I think a lot of the time, particularly when you're starting out, it's just quantity. It's just putting out a lot of content. So I literally, even to this day, I kind of think to myself, or if I get a question on social media about something, I'll usually screenshot it or put it in my notes. I'm with a client and you know they might be going all right once they you know is it bad to have carbs right before bed or some shit and I'll write it down in my notes and come home I might write an email on it or I might literally record a podcast on it or whatever but and if you don't have the luxury of already having a client a, a database or whatever just literally think to yourself all right what who's your target client and what do they need to know and for mm-hmm. you this is this is the thing that I found a little bit difficult initially as well as like for me I'd be like thinking this is the most simple shit ever like surely Everyone knows this, but they don't. Like yeah. you, you, you spend all this time learning this stuff. Like, how many reps should I do to build strength? Like, that's a that's a good question to answer because a lot of people don't know. Or yeah, you know, how do I figure out how many calories I need? Or should I be stretching before I train? What are all these these simple simple questions? Because it's usually the more simple stuff is more relatable. Like, you know, you think about putting together this amazing quality content, putting all this time and effort into this stuff, and no one really gives a shit most of the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I'll put up a video. I did one. Like one of the most engaging ones I've had over the past month, literally, it was just like me doing a selfie video talking about mistakes that a lot of females tend to make in terms of wanting to look a certain way and some mm-hmm. alternative alternatives or substitutes for what they may or may not be doing already and what I think is probably a more optimal approach. It takes me 60 seconds to record it, post it, and it gets like the most engagement out of any of my content for like a month. So mm-hmm. it really does just come back to just keep it as simple as possible because there's always going to be someone that needed to hear that or there's always going to be someone that'll take value from it. and if you can just have the mindset of like if if it, just one person takes value from every bit of content i post then i'm doing my job mm-hmm. and you know and and not trying and, and not worrying too much like it's easier said than done in terms of not worrying about how big your following is or how big your audience is and whatnot but you know you think about say you've got 300 followers like imagine standing in a room in front of 300 people telling them about had a bench press or something like that. It's, you'd be overwhelmed. So, whereas mm. on social media, for some reason, and obviously with this shit algorithms these days, no, not 300 people aren't going to see it. But just go into it with that perspective of just trying to help one person every single time you post content. And it's just what people want to know. It's not like the craziest, most fascinating stuff. It's just very basic stuff. And be consistent with your message too. Yeah. Like don't yeah, kind of just, don't kind of just go like, oh, what's trending at the moment? I'll talk about this shit or what's everyone buying or what, what's the newest fad? It's like, no, just like figure out exactly what your philosophies are, stick to your message and just be consistent with it. Like I'm saying, I'm saying stuff in my post now that I was saying in 2014 mm. and people are still interacting with it or it's still getting responses from people going like, oh, I just made this change last week and it's helped a lot or I didn't know that and stuff like that. So every time, every time you put out content, it's just like thinking about, right, well, what would someone that wants to achieve this need to know to do that? Not thinking like I wonder if like I wonder if my 500 followers want to know this because it doesn't matter if they want to know if 500 and want to know if one person does that might be your next client. Yeah, yeah, it's great, and, and I like that approach that that would resonate with a lot of coaches. I reckon that maybe are new to the social media 
and it might be intimidating, but they're coaching a lot of people and no doubt they're getting mm. questions every session. They might be doing 40 sessions yeah. a week and to actually note those down in a journal or screenshot them in your camera and, and record them and, and answer them just how you did with your client. I think that's, that's really good. That's something that, yeah, no doubt listeners can, can take on. You, you mentioned the importance of and, and something you wish you did earlier of, of owning your niche. That's probably equally a challenging task, for, I think, for a lot of coaches. Like you said, when we start in the industry, you're getting you sort of become the generalist just naturally because you just need to build a business and to help people with weight loss, help people with muscle gain, males, females. You might be helping people of all ages. And then as you grow, you, you start to work out who you love to train, what are you most passionate about. At, at what point did you recognize that you started to sort of niche down and, and how did you come to that realization? Did it come to you naturally or was it something that you intentionally made to the point where you're like, maybe you started saying, look, I don't work with you started referring people on that had certain goals and you only worked on people that were specific to your, to your niche. Yeah, it was probably a couple of years in. Probably a couple of years in. Like I said, at the start, I was just doing anything and everything. And a lot of it I wasn't enjoying, but it was kind of like, oh, I want more clients. I want to be busy, so I'll just do it. Whether it was group training with corporates or whether it was whatever, like taking it. Like oh, I love boxing, but like I don't really enjoy training someone for boxing really like at all. Like a little bit, but not that much. So. I was just doing sessions like that and I was kind of going like, oh, I want to make sure that when I go to work, when I look at the clients I've got for that day, every single one of those sessions I'm genuinely excited for and looking forward to. Not like early days, I'd literally be like looking at the day and I'd be like, like two o'clock, three o'clock and five o'clock, can't wait till they're done or like stuff like that. So I was like, it took a couple of years, but I think, you know, I was really, again, like really fortunate and, and it did definitely come down to the networking stuff we talked about earlier, but I, I locked in a couple of big athletes early like probably before i should have to be honest but it was awesome like that and then obviously the exposure you could, that kind of gets you or the social proof that gets you on social media all of a sudden you have people that either are in that industry or people that like that style of training or whatever kind of just like eventually come across to your content and then want to know more or work with you or whatever particularly mm-hmm. the athlete staff or, or celebrities or whatever like it's it's ridiculous that's how it works but it is like you know if someone sees you working with someone that has a, a profile or a name like instantly kind of gives you like social proof you could not know a single thing and someone will come to you and be like want to work with you just because you've worked with someone else but i competed as well like i said so i was putting out as well as my content with business i was you know i was logging on youtube like almost every day and like they weren't getting many views but my social media i was posting a lot of content from the preps i was doing for comps talking about the process that i was doing particularly with the nutrition you know the nutrition side of things. I was, I've been, my message has stayed so clear and so so consistent the whole time that that was one thing that really drew in people from that perspective. Like not even from training, but from the nutrition side, I was getting so much interest because of the way that I was approaching things and and because it is such a sustainable and flexible approach. Obviously, people are pretty gravitated towards it. So yeah, the competing thing brought in a lot of people that obviously were interested in that style of training, like their strength and strength training, and and me even showing the process of me getting in shape from a body composition perspective and not so much performance and athletic side, but from body composition, showing people that, you know, I'm the leanest I've ever been. and I'm not doing a single second of cardio for the week. I'm just mm. doing strength training or just stuff like that. Like literally just kind of documenting, you know, and even coming back to what we are talking about before the content, just document what you do. Don't try and create content. Even mm. now, like a lot of the content is like, I'll be training a client that will do an RDL and I'll be like, a lot of people will struggle with RDLs. I mean, if we could get a story of this person doing RDL, put a few arrows in the story, put up a few little cues to people to think about, bang, you've got like a, a very engaging piece of content because people want to know that stuff. 
but yeah, so the bodybuilding stuff, working with athletes and then just, yeah, getting a few, few bigger names or whatever drew people in. And I knew like, I, I pretty much got to the point where I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to be putting out a lot of content, I may as well just try and attract the clients that are going to want to do like the stuff that I'm doing. Cause yeah. that's easy then. I can, instead of me going out and fucking creating a post about circuit training or not that I don't like, like, yeah, but like me posting, creating a post about something that's not really that kind of specific to your niche. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, if I'm just posting my stuff, documenting what I'm doing, the people that like that will come to, to me instead of me having to try and bring people in. Cause you know, you, that's, that, that was what it was like for me anyway. The first year or two, it was like almost like just coming across as desperate with, with the, with the client and work side of things, because I was constantly trying new things to just try and get people in. Whereas mm. when that mindset changed to not not chasing people, like letting them come to me, which is a longer a longer term approach, and you got to be a lot more consistent with it. But it's like if I'm putting out certain pieces of content or working with certain people or doing X, Y, and Z, like I want someone to come to me and say, "Do you have any availability for PT?" or "How can I sign up to your online coaching?" Instead of me going putting out, and and you may have to do it at some point, and it is what it is. But like instead of putting out things on social media, going like, "Oh, fuck, I've got like three sessions for the price of one or whatever," just to just to try and get someone in. Yeah. I stepped away from that stuff because you got to think about as well, and this probably comes back to the business side with with that that approach. It's like you don't want like you don't want to train someone, even if it's one session. You don't want to train someone that has no intention of training again, or is going to be difficult from day one, or is someone that you don't enjoy training. Like who cares if you're making money? It's not worth it. It's not worth mm. your time. Like time's your best asset. So yeah, you're better off putting that time into creating more content or building systems out or or learning like mastering your craft and doing doing education around the strength training or like the coaching side of things or whatever. So yeah, it's probably like two, two, two years in, I'd say. And I really figured out that the strength and resistance training side of things and really teaching, you know, I've gone through like kind of ebbs and flows. Like a lot of the athletes I've worked with have been male. So mm-hmm. that attracts that type of thing. And then obviously me being a male doing bodybuilding stuff like that obviously attracts a lot more males, but I've got a lot of enjoyment out of training, teaching females how to lift weights and just showing them over, over a period of time of like, Hey, this is what results you can get if you kind of get over this little fear of lifting weights and, and not eating like and eating next to nothing, like stick with this and just kind of, you know, be like, understand that if just like, just kind of buy into the fact that if you kind of follow this approach for the next couple of months, two, three months, whatever, and then just see, see what your results are. And then once I started getting results for a lot of girls, like obviously you start to get more because people are seeing firsthand, like what others are doing. And, and again, just documenting that journey brings in more. So, I did, definitely didn't niche down super specific initially <laughs> anyway. It was more so just like, right, strength training pretty much and uh, obviously doing some forms of conditioning and whatnot because I loved like my when I started my whole – initially, I was like, I just want to be a strength coach for a, a footy team. Like I wanted to be a strength coach for an AFL team and I did some off-seasons with footy teams early on, not AFL, but like in, in the VAPA and, and mm-hmm. I kind of like – I realized pretty quickly, I'm like, I, I don't enjoy this. Like this is not what I like. I love working with – with athletes one-on-one or I like working with like a very small group of athletes that's very tailored and specific or more or even better like working with just one person doesn't have to be an athlete but someone that wants to really learn this and and that I know is going to stick to it and that they actually want to be there so that's how it kind of niche down kind of naturally happened I guess yeah yeah that's great thanks for yeah sharing the process that it's not something that happens overnight so people don't need to force it by sounds of it you sort of got to feel things out and, and explore the going into back back into sort of your career progression. So you, you got into the online game pretty early. You mentioned Instagram and how important it is to 
to build a social media following and how competitive it is now. For, for those starting out, maybe they're studying, they're just doing their certs and uh, they've got their personal account, but they haven't got a business account set up. Would it be, you know, doubling down on TikTok? Is it YouTube shorts? Like there's, like you said, there's so many options now. Where would you, where would you go and where would you, and how many would you focus on, I guess, at once? Yeah, I think first one would be email list. And, and even if you've got a small email list, start figuring out whether you want to send out one a week, one a month, two a week, two a month, every day, whatever. Be consistent with that. I think that's kind of like should always be a staple is keeping some form of consistent communication with your email list. It's hard to tell at the moment, man. Like I'm posting like a decent amount of content on like TikTok, but there's only been like a few that have got super high engagement. The rest are pretty average engagement, but I'm just kind of staying consistent with it because I feel even though the content I'm putting out is valuable, the style of content that goes really well on TikTok is not exactly, like, definitely doesn't really suit my style of like. It's more entertaining stuff. Entertaining stuff, yeah. So yeah. on that point though, I think it's it's really important to figure out what style of content you relate the best. So yeah. is it podcast? Is it podcast? Is it talking to a camera on YouTube? Is it putting out infographics on Instagram? And figuring out what you're good at and then doubling down on that. Like, because if you're shit at talking to a camera, you can get, you can get great. You can get really good at it over time. But if it's something that you have no interest in or no passion in, then that shows. Whereas, you know, if there's someone who loves talking on a podcast and you're good at it, then you're the, way more likely to, to get higher engagement and do better in that thing. So mm-hmm. although it's important, I guess, to have, you know, multiple platforms where you're putting out content, I think it's also, you've also got to be careful of not just trying to put out content on like 10 different platforms just for the sake of it when all 10 platforms are shit yeah <laughs> like yep. try and figure out which like at least find one that you think you're really like you're really good at or you can learn about the most or you can put the most time and effort into and then you'll be able to have bits and pieces that you can take from that platform and use on the other one so even with podcasting it's like if you have you run a podcast and you've got video you don't ever have to create any content for instagram you can just use the content from your podcast in in snippets on instagram or mm-hmm. tiktok and stuff like that so yeah that'd be my advice around that that re- that regard but in terms of like well, where to post at the moment i mean i have no idea if you know or if anyone listening knows let me know because the engagement is all over the place at the moment with pretty much all the platforms i'm finding yeah Apart from podcasting really like podcasting is pretty consistent kind of email list will always be relatively consistent but yeah in terms of instagram and tiktok and stuff it's who knows yeah 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 trial and error maybe facebook will make a new rise yeah maybe who knows go back to myspace or something myspace yeah yeah hey there hope you're enjoying this episode with danny kennedy we're just going to take a quick break to hear a snippet of our interview with cameron balloon what were your main focus points that was really effective in your rehabilitation i i managed i I took notes on my pain and and to be honest so it was my own version of the borg scale which i wasn't aware of at the time um so I just had a one to ten pain scar that I made up myself. Um, certainly not validated like like the uh, the Borg RPE scale is, but um, um, I did that. I, I obviously tracked all of my training and movement. So what exercises I was doing, um, the loads I was doing, sets, reps, timing, um, and then I and then I document how I felt. How did I sleep that night? How did I wake up in the morning? Did I have pain through the night? Um, and I just did that ongoing. Um, I, I didn't, to be honest, focus a lot on nutrition because I just wasn't really aware of it at the time. Um, and but it was all about training and you know rest periods. 
To hear more from the founder of Body Fit Training, Cam Falloon, make sure to scroll to episode 92 on the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Now back to the rest of the episode with Danny Kennedy. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. What about challenges so far when you look back on your on your career? What has been a major challenge and, and what did you learn from it? How did you grow? Challenges? Oh, I mean, one that stands out straight away is the business side of things, particularly with finances, tax, you know, GST now, super, like particularly if you're running your own business, whether it's as a, a sole trader or if you've got a company and stuff like I didn't do any any form of like business degrees or anything at school or, or uni and stuff like that. So I've made so many mistakes with that side of things and had to learn the hard way about a lot of it, like with tax and everything. Like it just wasn't something that I knew about, wasn't something that I'd hired someone to help me with or again, like didn't have a business coach advising me on certain things. So I made so many mistakes in that regard. So I think it, it really is like, you know, unless you do a business degree or whatever, I just don't see how there's any form of education particularly in school where you learn mm. anything that's fucking worth knowing about finance after school like mm. whether it's like i said whether it's tax whether it's figuring out whatever like learning about inflation and interest rates and loans and all this type of stuff like it, everything in that regard was completely foreign to me so made a lot of mistakes in that regard so that was something that that definitely has been a massive challenge the other thing would be if you like if you're wanting to grow and expand the business is Obviously, you have to do the work and you have to put in a lot of hours and a lot of time, but also learning like, you know, if you have no idea how to make a website, if you have no idea how to edit a podcast, I think it's it's relatively important to have a decent understanding of how to do these things eventually. But if, you know, time time's your best asset and, and you value your time, particularly if you're good at certain things, whether it's training the clients, whether it's doing podcasts, writing emails or blogs, or whatever wasting like half a day on trying to edit a podcast that someone could do in 20 minutes, you're, you're basically just like you're only hurting yourself because you're losing all this time that could be spent investing in yourself or, or earning more money in different areas of your business. So something that I took so long to do is start to delegate things out to other people or, or like hire someone. It doesn't even necessarily need to be hiring someone, like particularly early days, you're not going to have like a leftover cash to just be going to hire or videographers and all this type of stuff. But like, just mm. starting to figure out what you're good at within the business and the things that you're not good at, like I said, learn them to a, to an extent. But if you're in a position to do so, I think really starting to, like I said, come up with systems, but also either hire people to do them or if, you know, if you're someone that has a good business or you have a following already, even putting out on, on your Instagram story, like, hey, if there's anyone, any like people who are interested in videography and you want to, if you just want to come and do this video for free, basically to show me like what you can do. Like one of my videographers that I use, he did the first video for me for free. Like he did like a whole day vlog, like nuts. He came and did literally followed me around for a whole day on like probably one of my busiest days I've ever had as a personal trainer, put together the most incredible video. And after that, I've ended up hiring him so many times to come and do video work for me because I was like, all right, well, if I want to get really good content when I'm doing this type of stuff, instead of sitting there trying to fi- figure out how I can, video or coming out with this shitty content or trying to create it or whatever. I just get someone who's good at it that knows how to do it super well. And that time spent that I, that I would have spent trying to edit all this stuff or trying to figure out how to learn how to do it can be spent training clients or again, learning new things or whatever it may be. So I think that, and it can be hard to do, particularly if you see your business as your, you know, kind of like your baby. It's like, it's hard. Sometimes you feel like, Oh, no one will care about as much as what I do. And they probably won't, but you'll be surprised at how much quicker things can grow if you start to look at the things you're really not good at and when you can, if you're in a position to do so, kind of palm them off to someone else. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's great advice. And what about highlights of your career? What's something that you look back on fondly? Obviously, you've got your own podcast. There's launch date there, training celebrities, training professional athletes, competing yourself in shows. What, what's something that you look back of, I guess, and, and, and feel proud? I don't know, to be honest. Like, hard to say. I think it's on a very smaller scale, but something that I just enjoy, thoroughly enjoy, is anytime I get a message or an email from someone who's listened to the podcast or read emails or content on social media and, and just simply just saying that they took a benefit from it or like, you know, it's changed their life from hearing this one thing. That's always super rewarding because there's always, particularly early days, always weeks with the podcast or social media where you just literally think to yourself, fuck, I'm just wasting my time. Like no one's even seen or, or hearing this stuff. And, you know, messages like that are really good. But I was fortunate, really fortunate to do, so 2017 and 2018, I did a sled push challenge for 24 hours, just push a sled for 24 hours. And just the sled right, or with weight on it or? With weight, yeah, I think it was a twenty yeah. on or something like that. But but both years raised like I think in excess of like twenty thousand dollars, which went directly to Beyond Blue. So I, I'm a really really big advocate for mental health and and you know headspace and, and and mindset and all that type of stuff. So that was awesome. Like obviously it was an epic phys- physical challenge, but and an accomplishment. But more so just like knowing that it was just going to a good cause, I guess. And yeah, that's and uh, yeah. So that were things I'm like super proud of. But I don't know. I, I, that's probably one thing I struggle with. I don't really, even if I do something that's, you know, good or I could achieve like a goal or whatever, I probably don't spend a great deal of time kind of sitting there just laughing it up or like thinking about how good it is. It's always, and I'm assuming you'd be the same. It's kind of like, all right, what's next? And mm-hmm. there's, there's always something else afterwards. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, with that sled challenge, I'm sure the coaches are interested to know the details of that. Is this, so how does that work? That's you by yourself moving the sled. Is it outside? So, yeah, take us through yeah. the details. Yeah. So how it worked, it was like, so I, like I, so I, the first year I did it with with Michael Klim. So he he was stupid enough to come and join me, and yeah. we actually had <laughs> so dumb. We had two sleds going that year, so we we'd push up and back, and and like people, like because obviously we kind of marketed it, not marketed it, but just posted on our socials. So people would come down, and the idea for me was like, look, I'm I'm obviously not going to be just me pushing a sled for twenty four hours. Like I'm I'm going to cark it. I'm not going to make that. But my, my intent was like, whatever you do the whole time, just be continuously there pushing it. If people come down, they want to jump in and push it a length, whatever. Like we kind of had a system where like you would push it, get to the other end. If there were people there, there'd be people like pretty much just had a line, but it was never like that many. And, and you know, as you can imagine, between the hours of like, say like 10 p.m. Yeah, and pretty yeah. much like <laughs> 6, 7 a.m. the next day, there's not exactly that many people there. So the first year, Clemmy and I did it and we had a really good turnout of people and it was more so just like just can just kind of just keeping the the wheels ticking, like push it, get to the other end, when it's your go, go again, same thing and history for twenty four hours. And man, the first time I was just like, obviously you know that twenty four hours is a long time, but when you hit like that twelve hour mark and you're like, fuck. Halfway. Like halfway, but I've also got twelve hours to go. So yeah, like I mean, we had to come up with some strategies too because Obviously, you're not just flat out pushing the sled the whole time. And, and even like the angle of how you're pushing it, like trying to be super cautious of a calf or Achilles after a long period of time, hydration was a big one. Nutrition as well, because you just clearly just, you're just chewing through so Depleted. much energy that whole time. And then the second year was a little bit, so the first year, the track was about 30 meters long. Mm. Second year was a bit shorter, it was about 20. So I actually preferred the long one because it was just a little bit less stop start. But yeah, I mean, physically, obviously, like clearly it was difficult, but I mean, 
the idea of it was for it to just be mentally just ridiculous and it was stupid so dumb to have done it the second year as well but but yeah so that was good that's impressive uh, but i enjoy i enjoy stuff like that like i mean last year last year i did five k's of walking lunges and that was for beyond blue as well and that was actually like and it's going to sound ridiculous but that was a piece of piss it wasn't that hard it was like the first after 300 meters my legs were kind of like pretty cool i'm like all right i'm in strife here like i don't even think i'm gonna make this and then I, I pretty much just stayed at that level of like that threshold of like soreness and pain pretty much just stayed the same it was actually not too bad it was just boring it was a stupid idea I did it around albert park lake and it was just like we, i started i started at like because i wanted because i didn't want to look like an idiot firstly like when people are running around the track and i'm just lunging around so i was like all right i'm gonna go start at 5 a.m and hopefully get it done my my thought process was that it was going to take about three hours and took less but i started at five and i'm like i'm just going to get this done hopefully before it's too busy and it was the worst weather like belting rain like sideways windy as and obviously dark and it was just boring like it was just like oh man especially around the lake because you can see pretty much where you started almost the whole way around he's gone why do why to do it here it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome love that uh, great cause, of course, as well. So it's uh, yeah. uh, fantastic, mate. We'll move on to the, the personal side, the podcast, the Get to Know Danny segment. The first one is, do you have a favourite life uh, motto or quote? You've mentioned a couple throughout, but is there one that really stands out? doesn't matter if yeah. it isn't. Yeah, I've got one on my arm, actually. The first tattoo I ever got is that those who endure will conquer. So, I mean, I, I kind of feel pretty strongly about that, obviously, enough to get a tattoo on your arm. But, yeah, I just I just feel like... And that's kind of a bit of a symbol of like how I feel my mm. career so far has gone. Like, as I mentioned at the start, like within sport, like I was for- really fortunate to play like super high levels of basketball and, and decent standard of footy and, and achieve some good things. But I was always missing, I uh, missed out on like so many teams, got cut from so many teams, would make like the final selection of so many teams and was always like pretty much just missing it and pretty much failing at a lot of things over and over and over again. But for whatever reason, I don't know what it is or whether it's just like genetically or whatever. I don't know how it kind of got ingrained in me. It was just like on just just keep kind of going, just keep just keep pushing, just work harder and, and just be consistent and kind of not give up. So that was my approach to that. And then I've been I think that's that's why I've been able to carry it over to business as well. Because I just I'd kind of condition myself to, to do it early days with sport. So yeah, that's that's kind of what I live by. Yeah. Awesome. And and what about in your work life? Do you have pet peeves? What what makes you angry? What makes you angry? Work life, as in what? As in what other people do? Or yeah, like in- a classic a classic one could be you know if you let's say you you manage football teams like you said and, and they don't put the gym gear away or oh yeah, yeah. things like that. Like any pet I peeves think, as a as a coach I, trainer. I think within the industry, within the industry to an extent, like people just trying to bring other people down instead of just pushing their own their own belief or their own kind of philosophies like you know there, there comes a point in time absolute bullshit and you know i'm not saying that you know you i or anyone's the person that should be calling them out but it's like I, I see so often particularly now it's like instead of people just pushing content that they want their audience to see it's like they spend half their time just trying to bring other people down and to me yeah. i'm like what, what 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 good is that doing anyone like it's and if, if that's the case then i think it should just be done behind closed doors like reach out to yeah. them and have a proper conversation it just doesn't benefit anyone to be doing that type of shit yeah. um, and then the, the other thing you know, I'd, I'd be interested to hear your opinion on this is within the afl the way the way they approach 
pre-season to end of season in terms of the the structure of how the periodization of particularly the strength training, but even in my opinion, how early they're doing excessive amounts of, of conditioning early days in, in the offs like in, in the AFL when the season's mm. fucking ages away. So like uh, again, and, and I might, I might, might be completely wrong, and I'm sure there's a lot of people watching that are just thinking like this guy's fucking got no idea. But like in my opinion, mm. I look at it and I'm like, the season starts in what? What does it usually start in March or April? March, yeah, yeah, AFL March. Uh, you know, you've got some, yeah, and obviously it's more so like the first, second, third year players, early days, say like November, sometimes even fucking October. But like say November, December, you've got players doing and clubs doing like absurd amounts of conditioning and, and kilometers on the leg per week particularly i'm not too stressed about like doing the conditioning early but like to me it makes no sense to be doing absurd amounts of kilometers certain amounts of conditioning like on legs like pre-christmas right and then they give the players a break for one or two weeks come back and then for a lot of some people that that are serious and professional enough they keep it up then others come back and they've, they've got to kind of they've taken a couple sets backwards they build back up again and then you got the full season to go as well. And then the off season is usually quite short as well. I'm like, fuck, man, you look at how many hamstrings and soft tissue injuries get done, or you look at how the players burn out throughout the season. And I mean, uh, you have to obviously have to allow enough time to get conditioned enough to be ready for the season. But even the style of the conditioning, I think it's getting a lot better now in terms of a lot more match simulation and stuff in preseason. But it's just interesting to me where you get to the first practice game and, and the players are blowing up after the first quarter. I'm like you've been fucking doing conditioning since November. Like obviously, yeah. there's a, there's a bit of a something's not right. Like in my opinion, but I, I, that's how I feel. And I think the other side of that would be that so I'm sure each club's obviously a bit different depending on who who's running the strength and conditioning side of things. But mm. I see some of the programs, and this is not just football, but I you know I've worked with some guys from like like I won't say team, like I kind of just did like professional soccer teams and other sports. And you look at their strength programs, and you're like, what the fuck is this? Like, mm. what? What is this? Like in season or like off season? They do this, get them really strong and, and durable, and and their endurance and everything's great. And then the season starts, and all of a sudden, all they're doing is like prehab exercises and barely doing any. And they drop in all their loads, and in terms of like the intensity goes right down, and they're just doing a heap of volume and kind of just management stuff. And and then you see all these soft tissue injuries and hamstrings and all that type of stuff. And to me, it just makes sense for that to happen because mm. I'm like use it or lose it like yeah, if you're kind of not using that strength and neurologically you're not having you've lost that conditioning like there's there can't be surprised as to why some of this shit's happening and i think i don't even know how we got talking about this but within within the afl at least i think it's just because it's such high stakes it's probably just like again i could be wrong but i just feel like people are just probably afraid to do to step outside the traditional way of doing it in the fear of like pretty much getting stacked <laughs> Yeah. Or if it doesn't oh, work absolutely. or if it doesn't suit with like, you know, the high ups, which are often people who are been in the system for so long and they're just used to the same way every single time. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see anyway. It'd be interesting to see a bit of a case study of it done completely different or, you know, spending pre-Christmas a lot of it, a lot of the conditioning off legs and a lot more match simulation without too much just, it's like I said, it's a lot better now, but without some forms of like kind of pointless conditioning and running and, and just see how it goes or just tinkering around with, keeping intensity a bit higher with some of the bigger lifts throughout the, the season, maybe not as much volume, well, obviously, well, definitely not as much volume, but keeping the intensity a bit higher, particularly on those bigger compound movements and seeing the difference in how many soft tissue injuries and, uh, and stuff happen throughout the year. But yeah, like I said, I, can't, I don't even know how the hell we got to talking about no, that. But, yeah. I, I completely 
the point, the big point that I'm taking from what you're saying, I think that's sort of where the industry is going is, is recognizing that if, if we don't continue to push a stimulus, then athletes are going to decondition and then be at risk because the game is so brutal that it can't just be all in preseason and then, okay, now you just play a game on the weekend and just play and for the next recover all week. Yeah. Six months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it's definitely the, the, yeah, the resilience gets thrown out a little bit more, but pushing physical resilience and, and it's stuff that, you know, I know has been quite popular in, in other sports like English Premier League and NBA, like LeBron James and these guys that are just continually rock up and, and perform at the highest level for so long. So, I think mm. there is a lot more confidence that the body's pretty incredible what it can do as long as everyone's buying in. And I'm pretty sure that's probably what the, the better clubs are doing is it's not just the, the S&Cs, but it's actually the, the medical team, the coaches, yeah. the leaders, and everyone's buying into, like, if we push, you know, and safely and smartly, that it's mm. actually going to make us better for it. And, and then the match team, like you said, that other big point as well, it does seem to be, I think that's from what I've seen anyway, that GPS has been quite helpful in that yeah. you can now see, okay, well, what is a, what is a game of footy for that individual? Mm. And then we can get that type of volumes from doing outside the boundary running or we can do it with a football in hand with your teammates and what's going to be better. Well, ultimately, it's going to be better, you know, yeah. the more specific the, the sooner you can get. And, and I think that's yeah. what better teams are doing now, um, like yeah. you're saying. So, yeah. We're, but at the same time, though, the other point you made, the players are still blowing up in March, practice matches from cramping and, and all that, and that still takes a while. I guess the intensity when you're competing against yeah. a, a, an opposition compared to your teammate does take it to another level. And when you're going to win points opposed to just training, there's probably a natural element of pacing yourself as a, as like a, I know players have talked about it, like the aim of preseason is, is a little bit of survival. Don't get broken. So yeah, yeah. Probably, because they are getting pushed with high volume, whereas come game day, it's it's probably be killed or, or get killed type of mentality. Mm. <laughs> Hence why it's so important that we do push because if they're going to pace themselves, we need to make sure that the intensity is high because at the end of the day on game day, they're going to bring maximum intensity yeah. in every effort every effort they've got. So, yeah, uh, valid points, mate. And, and I like the other pet peeve of, of bringing people down. I think that's a great message. Our industry, unfortunately, is saturated with it and, and social media is probably that's one of the negative aspects. We've talked about all the positive aspects, but that's mm. one of the other ones that social media can bring, unfortunately. but. Definitely. Like you said, just continually to bring value and and, and reap the benefits of that. What about it? Last one, your, your favorite way to spend your day off? What it, if you if you have one? But it's just just trying to chill. Like yeah, I struggle I struggle with relaxing, I guess. But I definitely do try and have, particularly over the weekends, more so on a Sunday now. Try and keep it as less work related as possible. But spending time with my partner Danielle, enjoy going out for a lunch or dinner every now and then, just hanging out with friends. Big sport fan as well, obviously. So try and consume a bit of sport when I can throughout the week and stuff. You know, even basketball, like I love basketball, but I just can't find the time to sit down and watch a fucking three-hour NBA game. So on yeah. the on on the weekends, yeah, try and consume a bit more stuff and and just yeah, I know just doing normal stuff. Like I, I like listening to a lot of podcasts and stuff as well. So that, that kind of I enjoy that. Like I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy. So there's a bunch of comedy podcasts that I that I just genuinely like doing just to kind of switch off and not really have to think and just just relax for a bit yeah yeah awesome mate well yeah thanks so much for, for jumping on and, and for those that are tuned in live make sure to uh, listen to the very start this podcast will live on our youtube channel and then we'll launch it next tuesday for those that like to listen to the audio side of things but yeah couldn't recommend listening from the very start danny's dropped gems all the way throughout from business to training and and preparation for, for those that want to perform at the highest level so 
Thanks again, mate, for jumping on. In terms of your own business and the podcast, what's on the horizon for 2022? What are you excited about at the moment? Well, kind of going back to what we've already talked about, a bit of a the growth side of things with the business. I've, I've, I've now running all my online coaching through an app, so I'm really putting a lot of time into just continuing to to fine tune that and and obviously yeah again work on the systems of, of building building that side of things pt I, I i'm still still enjoying it obviously and and a little bit more selective now with how many hours i'm doing of that but i'm just loving the podcast so just growing the podcast as much as i can and just continuing to just learn new things and evolve and i mean and yeah this is particularly in the content side of things it's just as we talked about with tiktok and all that type of crap there's always just new new stuff to evolve with so just continuing on i guess the same path i feel like each year it's kind of pretty similar there's always little things that get added in or, or adaptations that happen but it's more so like i'm pretty pretty set on like the direction i want to push things in it's just about fine-tuning it each year and just kind of leveling it up in any way that i can and continuing to invest in the business and myself and and just kind of let the rest happen and try not to try not to force it too much and just just make sure i'm enjoying it awesome mate yeah that sounds uh yeah, there's pl- plenty happening and that's another aspect that i've definitely taken away from this is just your mindset to continually actually make mistakes and put yourself out there and learn from them and then and then go again and do it again so yeah i love that yeah. approach and for anyone that wants to be successful in anything i think that's definitely the way to go about it so yeah thanks thanks again for for jumping on and we'll have to do a workout or catch up for a coffee or a beer sometime mate 100 mate yeah thanks again for having me on i appreciate it hopefully uh, those that have tuned in have, have enjoyed it <laughs> to some extent and yeah, we'll definitely do a do a session. I'll have to get you on 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 the fitness and lifestyle podcast as well, mate. It'd be be good to to catch up and have another chat. It's been good fun. Thank you. Awesome. And and our next live chat, guys, will be with strength and power coach Shane Leanne from the Sydney Swans. So you can tune in. That's next Wednesday, the sixth of July at one pm. I'll see you guys then. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content such as a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian of Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, so I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane and I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changers, like yeah, game game changers whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the strength conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us. Awesome. So he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And yeah, thanks, um, thanks Sam, for the chat. 
it was uh, I found it to be really insightful. Plenty of gems in there, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my my question to you was: you spoke quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat, um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did um, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it, yeah, certainly, yeah, has been massive for me now and, and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day just to be to say what I'm grateful for. Sort of three things, and um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to yeah like reset and and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about you know that there is more to life than football or you know it might be whatever as an SNC coach you know if something's you having a hard time. Um, it can be massive with just yeah opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm. I think I was a bit single minded back then, and um, you know I thought there was one way of doing things, and um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment. It would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review, or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.